Hello and welcome. You are listening to The 1% Christian. I am Pastor J.D. Ambrosio, and this is the daily Bible study where we take 1% of our day, we dive into God's Word, we pray, and then we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that God has given us. We are continuing through the Gospel of John. We are in chapter 6, and I know I said yesterday that there was a good chance we would get through chapter 6. Looking at it, uh, probably not. Probably we will close this up tomorrow because we've got an important part of Scripture that we're going into right now. Before we dive in, I want to invite you to download the Sound of Heaven app. Go to soh.church. There is a free digital Bible that you can download. You can also just go straight to your Apple or your Google Play Store. And if you're listening where you get podcasts, give a like, give a share, subscribe. It helps out a ton. I'm very excited that we have folks jumping on each and every day to our Bible study. So, okay, John 6, of course, starts with a very, very popular, iconic uh, scripture, a set of scriptures. It's where Jesus feeds the 5,000. And I think we all relate to that because let's be honest, it, it's it's nice to feed folks. You have people over, you entertain, you make the... you satisfy them, but it's also equally nice to be fed. So I think that hits home with uh, with a good bit of us. You know what I want to say as well? We kind of glossed over the fact that Jesus walks on water, jumps in the boat, and then heads over to the other side. I feel like we just kind of flew over that, but uh, we are going to keep moving on here. And of course, there's other parts of scripture where it really dives into what Jesus does and being in the boat and calming the storm and all that. So let's uh, let's continue with verse twenty-one. Oh no, let's go. Let's start with twenty-two. Okay, so we'll start with verse twenty-two. The next day, the crowd that stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there. Remember the disciples leave, Jesus stays behind. And then when things start getting rough, he's out there walking on top of the water. And they realized that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but they had gone away alone. And then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. So Jesus is building a fan club now. People are traveling. They're trying to find him. They're trying to find out where he's going to be, where he's going to go. He's hitting some, let's say, dare I say, celebrity status. But Jesus was more concerned about making disciples, and there is a big, big difference, right? Fans can turn on you, not everyone, right? But fans are there to see what you're going to do. Fans are there a lot of times to get entertained. They say, I paid my ticket price, now I want my show. And don't get me wrong, like there are loyal fans, loyal spectators, but what Jesus wants is disciples. So maybe the first takeaway that we're going to look at here is to ask ourselves, am I a fan of Jesus or am I a disciple of Jesus? And only you can answer that. A disciple follows. He goes where the teacher goes, learns what the teacher does, 
and then replicates what the teacher does. And that's what's cool about being a disciple versus being a fan, right? A fan, a lot of times you're looking up there on stage and you're saying, I can't do what he's doing. But Jesus actually says to his disciples, you'll do greater things than I because I'm eventually going to go to heaven. And that's where he's talking about the Holy Spirit getting introduced to us, which is what you and I are enjoying now 2,000 years later. So let's ask ourselves, are we fans or are we disciples? Let's be disciples. Amen. All right, let's keep going here. So when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw signs, not because I performed miracles, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed the seal of approval. So Jesus calls him out a little bit here and says, you're not looking for me because you want to know what I know. You're not looking for me because of miracles, even miracles, signs, and wonders. You're not even chasing miracles here. You're looking for me because you're hungry again. Stop pursuing things that spoil. This goes back to what we've talked about really since the beginning. Stop pursuing things that are temporary because that's what they were doing. They wanted to eat again. They wanted Jesus to make them more food. And it's easy for us to look and laugh and be like, what are you, crazy? But how often do we pursue God solely for to make sure that our physical needs are met, right? We see some sort of lack. We're hungry in some area physically. And then we run to God and say, God, I need you to, to provide this. And listen, God will welcome you and I with open arms every single time. But he's going to remind us that it, there is more to life than food. There is more to life than clothing. As a matter of fact, Jesus said exactly that. He says, do not worry about what you will eat. Do not worry about what you will wear. I take care of the birds. I take care of the lilies of the field. I'm going to take care of you. So we run to God in our worry and that's okay, but that is a, there needs to be a higher level of maturity that we work on, where we're not just pursuing the physical things of the world that we realize that God's got us. Okay. It doesn't mean be careless with what you have. doesn't mean be wasteful with what you have, but it does mean that you can trust God to be a provider. That's what he is. God is a provider. Amen. So he says, don't work for the food that spoils, but for one that endures to eternal life. And if you remember, Jesus was even saying to his disciples at the, at the well, right? They came back. The woman goes back to tell the whole town and, and they say, Hey, Jesus, we brought you food. And he says, I have food that you don't even, you know nothing about. My food is to do the will and the work of the father. Jesus knew where the source of his flesh and humanity came from. And that's God. So they ask him in verse 28, what must we do to do the works of God? And Jesus answers him, them, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. 
So let me just read that again. The work of God is this, to stop sinning. No. The work of God is this, to be perfect. No. The work of God is this, to go to church. No. To go to seminary school. No. You get to to pay back everything that you ever stole or lost. No. Now, all of these things are good. All of these things will be what the fruit, the evidence in our life. If you give your life, devote more of your life to God, you will stop sinning. You will begin forgiving people. You will want to fellowship with others in, in, in belief. You will look to right wrongs in your life. But this isn't the work that earns God, God's love. The work of God is this. To believe in the one he has sent. And I think this is what really what it boils down to. Is that we don't have to keep earning God's love. We'll get to that here in a second. I want to I want to keep going here. So he says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, I said, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? Oh, here we go again. Prove it, Jesus. What will you do? And then they bring up Moses, right? They bring up the time that uh, God would just leave manna from heaven. And that's what they were, that's what sustained them was the bread from heaven every single day. So they say, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So maybe they're trying to impress Jesus with what they know uh, out of uh, their own scriptures. And Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you. And you know, every time he says that, he's serious. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. So Moses wasn't the source. Your traditions aren't the source, but it is the father who gives you the true bread from heaven. True bread. For the bread of God. The bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Will you always give it, always give us this bread every time. And here's the miscommunication. And this is what I was hitting on a little bit before. Always give us this bread every day. We want to come back and, and we want to get this bread. Will you please give it to me today? Will you please give it to me tomorrow? Uh, what they're not getting here is that when you go to Jesus and, and hold on, I want to, I want to read the next, I was going to save this for tomorrow. Cause this is where we're going to, Stop. But the next thing Jesus says is, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Same thing that he told the woman at the well, right? The water I give you will make it so that you never thirst. And she says, give me this, give me this water. And the misconception is, is that they have to keep coming back to get the water to get the bread every single day. But once Jesus gives it, you have access to it. Let me clarify further. We don't have to earn God's love every day. We wake up with it. And we spend so much time trying to earn it that really what we're doing is we're creating our own separation from God. Not that it's there, but in our own minds. So that when we have a bad moment, 
we feel like, oh, I have to work double hard this time. But the bread's already there. The water is already there. And there's an interesting type and shadow that is being brought out here. Talking back when Moses, when the Lord told told Moses in Exodus that I'm going to provide bread from heaven. See, that bread would appear every morning. So, and it was the faith that it would like, they were not allowed to take bread into the next day. Why? Because that showed a lack of faith. God was going to provide the, all the bread that they needed the next day. So it made sense to them to eat the bread, to clean their plate, to not worry about tomorrow because God's already said that he was going to have the bread there tomorrow. And we can approach God's love the same way, is to bask in his love, to take on as much of his love as we possibly, as, as we want to, really. It's all there. And not beat ourselves up when we do something wrong as if we've lost it. Or if we drop the ball, so to speak. I think about those Israelites as we close in on the 1% right now. The Israelites, imagine they drop the bread on the floor and you say, ah, oh man. Now that's only a loss. Now it's not to be wasteful, but they would get more bread tomorrow. And it's, if you read in the New Testament, we can say the same thing about God's grace. That is grace is sufficient every single day. And it's not that we have to wake up and go to God and say, God, please give me your grace today. We, that's praying from a pr- place of separation, begging God for what he's already given us. His scripture says that his grace is sufficient every day. So we can confidently go in. And that was the greater in the new covenant. As opposed to, and that was the type and shadow that they would go and they would get the manna every day and they would, you know, eat it every day. And then they'd wake up and there would be more, more manna. And that was handling their physical needs. But today in the new covenant, you and I, we wake up every day with a full helping of God's love and God's grace. And his grace is sufficient to help us tackle every single thing. So if you woke up this morning, as we close this out, we're going to pray. And if you feel like you are downtrodden, if you feel like maybe something that happened yesterday, something that already happened today has taken you out of the grace of God or out of the love of God, or you're already behind the eight ball and you've got a lot to make up for to, to earn God's love to even start getting right. I'm going to tell you right now, that's not how it works. Here's what you do right now. Whatever's heavy on your heart. You say, God, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I repent. And what that means is I turn around and I'm going to walk in the other direction. I'm going to walk away from the thing that is tearing me down. Because it's not God tearing you down because of your sin and your struggle. It's you allowing yourself to be torn down. Because you have full access to the love and the grace of God. And that's what... I pray is the confidence that you go into today with that you have all the grace you need you have all the love you need you don't need to earn it 
You don't need to fight for it. And the physical things, the things that you're worrying about, the finances, the food, the house, the relationship, all these things, God's got it. God's got it. So just pursue him. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that your grace abounds in our life and that we have you every day and your love for us every day is unwavering. God's love for you is unwavering. So we go into today with that confidence, knowing that we don't have to earn it. It's there. And because we know that that's there, we could approach everything with boldness and strength knowing that you are with us in Jesus' mighty name. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio. You're listening to The 1% Christian. Tomorrow, we're going to close out John chapter 6. I love you guys. Have an awesome, awesome, confident, and bold day. God's got you. Amen.